0: Little green men, flying saucers, are aliens and UFOs real or not? PB&J, Pauline Ben, and Just the Facts unpack aliens in our ongoing series discussing conspiracy theories. What do you believe? That's this week on the podcast. Welcome to Data Doyen. I'm Dr. Pauline Hoffman, and I'm your podcast hostess. This podcast is for the data nerd and the data nervous. I take a look at what's real and what is not. What is true and what is false? Truth-telling through research and education. Curiosity required. Hello, data nerds and data nervous. Welcome back. This week is the second in an ongoing series of talks about conspiracy theories with my friend and colleague, Dr. Ben Gross, an associate professor of sociology at St. Bonaventure University. This week, we unpack conspiracy theories related to aliens. A reminder normally, when I chat with people on the podcast, I share excerpts of our conversation. With this series, I'm returning to my podcast roots, so to speak, and just letting the conversation flow. As a note, partway through our conversation, recorded on Zoom, Ben's camera fell off his computer, which added some levity, and his audio was affected as a result. Also, my dogs paid a visit. Enjoy. Welcome back. I'm so happy to welcome my colleague, Ben Gross, back for our monthly episode, PB&J, Pauline, Ben and Just the Facts. And each month, what we're hoping to do is we're going to take at least one, sometimes two, depending on the timing, conspiracy theories, and we're going to really dissect them. Uh, You know, Ben is going to approach them. Well, first of all, we'll describe it, obviously. And then Ben will approach it more from a sociological aspect. And then I may unpack it from, okay, what does this mean from a communication aspect? But it might just be, we're just going to talk about the conspiracy and have some fun with it. So we're rotating who gets to choose the conspiracies. And because Ben is my guest, he gets to choose the first one. So he chose, you want to tell us, Ben, what did you choose?
1: Alien conspiracies.
0: Alien conspiracies. So today we're talking about aliens. And what I had to do was I had to take a look at our, I shouldn't call it our, I didn't create this, the conspiracy chart. And you can go to conspiracychart.com to see the interactive chart. And I wanted to see where UFOs fell on this inverted pyramid. And the very bottom of the pyramid, Ben, if you remember, is things that actually happened. And just above that is we have questions. And we have questions is where you see UFOs and Area 51. So we have questions. However, do we really still have questions? Because you shared quite a bit of Mm -hmm. homework, which I did look at. I looked at the videos and read the articles this week. So I did do my homework. I get an A in the class. So, do you want to tell us what what some of the latest is, or should we start from the beginning and like where? Let me
1: me start from the beginning. Um, I mean, uh, you know, alien conspiracy theories have actually existed for really centuries, but in terms of the United States, they really picked up uh, their popularity from the presumed alien crash in Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947. Uh, You know, for those who don't know the story, it was presumed that alien an alien spaceship crashed and a couple of aliens' uh, bodies were found out in the desert in Roswell, New Mexico. The government has always denied uh, such an existence, but really, from that time period on, this thing is sort of picked up in popular culture. You know, it's been spooked in movies like Independence Day and Close Encounter to the Third Kind and other pop culture movies which have talked about aliens and possible alien conspiracies since 1947. I think part of the reason why I picked uh, alien conspiracies is I find them really fun in the sense that alien conspiracies can really neither be proved nor disproved, right? Those who say that there are aliens really don't have any concrete proof, at least factual, you know, federal, you know uh, government acknowledged concrete proof that aliens exist, but how can you really, how can you, how can you really prove the negative? How can you say with any certainty of fact that there is no alien life anywhere in the great space of whatever right of infinity so you know it's kind of a debate that's going to just continue to rage on until i don't know aliens get around dance around at halftime in a super bowl or something you know i i guess that would i guess that would be you know of hard proof uh, uh, from a large audience right so um, it's interesting we're currently as you were mentioning pauline we're at a high water mark credibility of ufo sightings uh there's been documented increased documented military footage of unexplained phenomenon, both in the skies and underwater. Uh, there was a congressional hearing in August of this year, the first one to talk about unidentified flying objects, or there's actually another term other than UFOs known. and I can't remember for a life of me, what was this, like UFAs or something like that? Oh,
0: I've got the and, names written down. Do you want them? Yes. So there's unexplained aerial phenomena. There's mm-hmm. also unidentified aerospace slash undersea phenomena, which I think what you're mm-hmm. talking about with that. And mm-hmm. anomalous aerial vehicles, those mm-hmm. were the ones I got. Advanced no advanced aerial threats is something different. Okay, yeah. So I saw those in the articles. I'm like, good lord,
1: it's not UFOs anymore. Right, you're right. They they've really moved away from the language of UFOs. And you know, this was the, the congressional hearing in August, really the first major hearing that they've had on this topic since 1969. So for the first time in over 50 years, Congress deemed this worthy enough to take time to investigate and discuss. And it was interesting in this meeting, they actually came up with a new category of things that are not man-made elements, which kind of freaked a lot of people out, right? Because that, that, that never existed before. They have kind of a, there's kind of like this new feeling of credibility among alien conspiracists that uh, has really uh, been altered. You know, for a long time, there was a fear that UFO sightings were actually unreported due to stigmatization. Uh, this is especially problematic among airline pilots, military officers, who felt like reporting UFOs was detrimental to their career, right? They weren't going to be taken seriously. They were going to be suspected of mental illness. Uh, they didn't. They would see things and then just not report them. So some people believe that there's a spiral of silence, kind of a term uh, from uh, uh, Elizabeth Noel Newman, that actually there may be a lot of people out there who have seen these unexplained phenomena, but very few have reported it, uh, believing that the general public would discount them. And it turns out that maybe uh, a lot of people have actually seen these things and have suffered in silence, believing that they wouldn't be believed. Um, well, so- and
0: actually, that was the one video that you shared with me, and I'll post the links to those videos in the podcast uh, notes. But mm-hmm. it was a former na- former naval officer that she was in her her naval airplane you know i'm not going to get all the like the f-18 or whatever the heck it is and right. she had the person behind her and she says if i had been flying alone and i saw this i wouldn't have said a word to anybody because i they would have thought i was insane mm-hmm. so you're, you're i mean she's even owning that that yeah she saw that and thankfully other people were there to witness it too or she would have thought she was nuts or she would have and, thought they would have thought she was nuts
1: right right and then as it turns out you know, a recent government statistics I believe believed that there was eighteen thousand reported cases of UFOs or UFAs or whatever they're called these days, and there were about seven hundred which remained unexplained. So, percentage-wise, about ninety-five percent were ultimately identified. They said, you know, it was a weather balloon, it was a plane, it was some top secret, none of your business, whatever it may be. But there were five percent that remained unexplained, which. There's a small percentage, but still over 700 cases that remained unexplained. So, uh, you know, while most most cases are explainable uh, and have some type of uh, rational explanation, there are a handful that have have, didn't, have, have escaped uh, easy explanation. Um, so currently, like I was saying, there's kind of a high watermark for the credibility of UFO sightings. Uh, Gallup took a poll about this last summer, summer of 2021. And a recent Gallup poll showed that 75% of Americans believe that aliens exist somewhere. Uh, about 50% believe that aliens are quote similar to ourselves uh, in some type of form. That we they're really not. Uh, that aliens exist and they're not all that different from us. And 40% believe that some of these UFO sightings are alien spacecrafts or not man-made items. So those are kind of high watermarks in terms of alien beliefs. That about 40%. Of the public does believe that some of these UFO sightings are not man made, that they are from space. Um, what's interesting about this, too, is that uh, demographically, beliefs are pretty well evenly spread. It used to be that alien conspiracies were more popular with people that did not have college degrees, uh, particularly people who had low levels of education. That's not true anymore. Uh, college, ed- college educated people are equally as likely to believe uh alien existent alien conspiracies that are non-college educated. It's also true across uh, gender, across political identity, uh it's true, true across age groups, with y- young people being slightly more likely to believe in aliens. But uh really about consistently, roughly about a third of the American public across demographic lines tends to believe in some type of alien existence uh, you know, coming to Earth that uh, that there's been some type of visit uh, to, our, to our planet.
0: It's interesting when you talk about the demographics that way, because I remember in our first podcast together, we were talking about the demographics of people who believe in conspiracy theories just in general. And there was the idea that they were more or, or were less educated, but that's not necessarily true. So it's like the people who are believing that there are aliens Are falling Mm. along it sounds like some of those same demographics well here's my Mm. question for you have you ever had an experience
1: no no not with aliens i mean (laughs) i I mean i've seen i've seen you know you look at the sky and you can't tell it's something like a plane or a shooting star or something but i've never saw like anything that was like a ufo aircraft um nothing along those lines i don't have any personal experience of it but uh I, I mean, I. To, for full disclosure, I tend to believe um, I'm one of the one third of people who believe that aliens uh, have been here. I, I, you know, I, I can't prove it. You know, I don't have, I don't have photographs or anything. But uh, I, I tend to believe that there is alien existence somewhere. So.
0: Well, you know, it's so funny because I've never told anybody this. So I'm, I'm debuting it on the podcast so everybody can know that I may be nuts. But I remember, I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was at home and I couldn't have been a teenager, I don't think I was quite a teenager yet. And I remember going outside and I grew up in a rural area. And I remember looking across the street from me was at night, and I must have let the dog out or something like there was some reason I was outside and I remember looking across the street, which was just an open field. On a hill, but it was an open field. And I remember seeing like a lighted something in the sky that would shouldn't have been there. It's not like there was a street light. We didn't have streetlights on my street. That's how rural we were. And mm-hmm. it looked like a beam of light or something coming down from it. And I remember thinking, what the hell? But also I started thinking, okay, and this is gonna date me. You're gonna laugh at this. I had been playing a lot of Atari. If anyone remembers Atari video games, like I, um, I'm playing that, and I'm thinking, am I imagining this, or is there something else here? And but I mean, being as rural as we were, it's not as though you'd have people reporting, or maybe it was a weather balloon because I feel like every time growing up, that's all you heard—weather balloons. I mean, our sky mm. should be full of weather balloons with the number of—and I don't know how many you need to to predict the weather or whatever they're doing, but yeah. Right. So I kind of had. That experience, but I mean, I don't think I was abducted. I mean, I don't know if you believe in alien Mm -hmm. abductions, but I also, I think it would be awfully arrogant and egomaniacal of us to think that we're the only intelligent life, quote unquote, intelligent life. I mean, I have to believe that there are other beings of some kind. I don't know that they'd be like us, but I -hmm. have to believe that there are other beings. I don't know. I just, I think it's awfully arrogant to think that we are alone.
1: I mean, it's, it's strange to think. I mean, when you think about the, I mean, the vast amount of space uh, is hard for the mind to conceive. You know, talking about being, you know, hundred billion light years away. I mean, it's like that's practically. I mean. It, and it might as well be infinity. So how can there not be something somewhere? Whether that whether that group has ever been to planet Earth or not, or even knows about our existence, is a, that's a whole other story. But it seems it seems strange to think that there's no life anywhere, and and even if there was, how could you possibly prove it? We don't even know how many galaxies are out there, how many planets are out there. And we, we couldn't even say, right. We don't have the the type of scientific knowledge to, to say with any certainty, like, okay, there are X amount of planets and we've looked at all of them and there's no life. We, we haven't scientifically been able to do that. Right.
0: So, and I have seen it's so interesting to me too because I'm a huge fan of watching some of the TV shows like a paranormal caught on camera and stuff. And they always in every episode have someone who's found something that might be like a I don't want to say UFO. I'm going to say unexplained aerial phenomena. And mm-hmm. and I just as with like ghosts and the paranormal, the fact that we now have cameras at the ready, like everybody's got their cell phone. Everybody's able to record all the time. Like you always just have this with you that I think we're seeing this proliferation of them too in a way we hadn't before because we're able to capture it. I think there are just more people in terms of population and more people out in different places. I mean, I don't know if you have thoughts on that,
1: yeah, I. I mean, one of the reasons why the popularity or support and the belief that there are aliens because so many sources are coming from credible. Uh, I mean, you know, it's one thing if I run out in my backyard and I shoot something that looks like a flashing light in the sky. I don't know how much credibility there is to that, but when this comes from, you know, U.S. Navy infrared you know, pyre jets and and places like that, really, like the U.S. Navy and, and other uh, 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 instruments that are, you know, highly crafted multi-million dollar pieces of equipment to capture these things. It certainly seems to add something to the credibility of the sightings. So I think the military uh, and U.S. government sightings alone have increased the credibility and sure, I mean, you know, I, I know that there have been things captured on on social media and things captured on uh, home cameras, and yeah, it, it seems uh, it, it seems like you know, I mean, many of these may be discounted, but surely some of them may very well be valid. Uh, you know, who's how much research is even being done on those types of um, things?
0: Maverick agrees with you. Yes, I can keep that in there. <laughs> Maverick agrees with you. Well, it's so funny too. I also am. What do you think, and I know that our technology in the u s is pretty advanced in terms of our world i don't mean in terms of whatever is going on in the galaxy and I know that some of the videos you shared with the folks who are former naval officers, you know one of the questions that was asked was okay is this is this just technology we're not familiar with from say China or Russia or mm-hmm. you know some other country and i don't know if you have any information or any thoughts on that
1: um it's entirely possible, but I mean. There are things that some of the stories that I've heard, you know, I mean, one pilot and one of the videos that you were going to share with the public talks about an object that fell 80,000 feet in about one second and talks about losing, you know, an object on radar and then recovering it five seconds later. And the object that was 100 feet away from them is uh, 60 miles away. So, you know, maybe that was something that was made by the Chinese or the Russians, but that seems like a an astounding amount of technological uh, expertise, and I mean, if, if, frankly, if, if the Chinese and Russians have something like that on their hands that we don't, I find that more threatening than any consideration of aliens. Right? Uh, you know, I, I mean, well, I guess one of the reasons why I'm not worried about you know, existence of it, if we, if we know that they were, let's say, let's say, for example, Roswell uh, turned out to be true, and we they've been existent for 75 years, if they have technological capacity of this size. I've known about it for seventy five years, and we're still here. Then they're probably not aggressive. So I don't really. I kind of picture that as benign. Maybe that's a mistake of logic on my part. But uh, it seems to me that they're, they're really here, and they have been for seventy five years. And we're still ex- we're still alive. And then you could probably argue that uh, they're probably fairly benign. Uh, so you know, probably I was going to add, add to you. Uh, I was doing a little bit of reach. Uh, a research about alien conspiracies and roots of them, because I'm kind of curious, like why do people believe? You know, I don't, I don't like you mentioned earlier. I don't have any personal experience or any personal sightings, but I still believe, and I'm not exactly sure why. And so, I was looking at the literature, and I kind of find four basic roots that they say are connected to alien conspiracy theories. One is distrust of government. Uh, people are feeling feeling that a government lies to the public and likely against their own interest. So conspiracy theories tend to be high when people distrust the government and alien conspiracies oftentimes are not about how people feel about extraterrestrial beings. They're oftentimes reveal how they feel about their government, that they think that their government lies to us, that they think their government is purposely lying to us for the purpose of harming us. So many times you see correlations between belief in aliens and alien conspiracies and just simple distrust of government uh, in general believing that governments lie to us and that they use information against the well-being of the public. So there's a certain anti-government sentiment uh, that's connected to alien conspiracy theories. The second, uh, I've seen psychologists that say that uh, sometimes these correlate to narcissism, that people believe in aliens because they wanna feel like they know something that their neighbors don't, right? So uh, there's this idea that sometimes people believe in aliens uh, simply because they think they have some type of information that the rest of us don't know and that they're smarter than the average person. So a lot of times narcissism is connected to uh, alien conspiracy beliefs. Uh, third and the one that's particularly strong is an emotional desire for belonging or connection. A lot of times people believe like the old poster says because they want to believe. Uh, believing in aliens makes them feel like there's more some type of larger purpose a larger type of connection. You know, people don't like feeling that they're alone or isolated uh, in the universe. So it gives people a sense of hope, a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. So oftentimes when people have emotional-based beliefs, uh, they tend to be resistant to rational, logical arguments, which is something I wanna come back to in a little bit later. And fourth is the desire for certainty, even at the risk of oversimplification of reality which is something we talked about in our previous podcast, the idea that some people like to have a yes or no answer to everything. They can't stand the idea that the world that we just don't know. And they want an answer. Yes or no. Do aliens exist? And so sometimes they will form a belief on it. uh, Perhaps yes, because they're oversimplifying reality. They want closure. They want understanding. And so sometimes people will actually oversimplify uh, the reality or, or, you know, Accept fraudulent or inaccurate uh, ideology along the way because they want to believe. They want to have closure on the topic. So those are four. Those are four dimensions that are connected to why people believe in alien conspiracy theories.
0: And I think for the most part, with a lot of these, you know, we've talked about these in the context of why people believe in conspiracy theories to begin with. I mean, whether it's a distrust of government or just distrust. And I think what I find interesting with that, to speak to distrust of government, I know you said you wanted to unpack some of the other ones, but in terms of distrust of government, I find it so fascinating and also troubling. Like, I almost feel like we're going to have a difficult time getting past this one because If as part of the COVID relief bill, they have this, they introduced the legislation with that, that, you know, they're like releasing these documents and letting this be, you know, unclassified, if you will, that they're not doing that as the one article you, you shared with me said, they're not doing that if they don't have some compelling evidence that this, that these phenomena exist. So it just gives people more ammunition, I think, to say, well, look at that. This is what they said about the aliens, and they told us that they weren't real, and now they're sh- they're telling us they were, so we have every right to distrust the government, and I just worry that that's going to, I don't know if backfire is the way, way, right way to phrase it, but it's going to come back to kind of bite us in the ass, like, the next thing that people say, or the next thing that government, you know, when I take a look at that conspiracy diagram, I'm like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, all of these things involve the government. And are they mm-hmm. going to come back and say, because of aliens, because the aliens now we should believe all right.
1: of these other things. Well, well you mentioned there's uh, there's definitely the element of confirmation bias, right? If you believe that, if you believe the government's already lied to you, then you're going to believe that they're going to continue lying to you and, uh, and so on. So people will, people's, beliefs about new information is did pretty much tainted on what they'd already previously believed, so if they believe the government was lying before, they'll probably believe that the government continues to lie and so on so yeah, um yeah, it's interesting, as you were mentioning uh you know these things like um confirmational bias, these things about having feelings of trust, these ideas of uh of, of emotional based identities i mean really, when you're talking about alien conspiracies, you're finding. that really aren't all that different from all sorts of like anti-government conspiracies like there's a it's really not all that unique from many uh, other types of of conspiratorial uh, beliefs and thinking
0: i actually just started thinking because i do a lot of work myself just working within organizations not government necessarily but within organizations and you know rumors spread and, and I argue rumors spread in the absence of information or in the absence of, you know, quality information. Sure. And I look at something like this and I think, okay, you're just making it more difficult. If you can't trust the people that you're responsible to and answering to, and I'm not even saying that you're, yes, you're leading them, but at the same time, you know, we're choosing you as the leaders. So it's like, you don't trust us with this information. That's that's going to hurt you in the end. Because again, like you said, the confirmation bias, like that's going to, I'm going to distrust the government. Whereas if you just had a little faith, so to speak, and I'm not talking like faith in God or whatever, just like faith in the people that you're working with, um, you know, I don't think it would be so detrimental. So I say that like when I'm counseling organizations, I'm like, first of all, always tell the truth. Always, always, always. And be transparent. Like those things are so key in any situation. And I don't think we've seen that. And now that we are, you know, then you've got all of this all of this other baggage that goes with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. It's almost like there's a trade-off between the short term and the long term where people will, an organization of leadership may lie to prevent some sort of short-term interest. You know, I'll just lie about this one program or this one incident and I'll, we'll just get through it and then we'll, we'll keep the ball moving forward. But in the long-term, mm-hmm. right, once you, you want to disintegrate that trust, you open yourself up to, you open the can of worms, you open Pandora's box, right? And then you have a a series of potential problems. So I feel like a lot of times organizations who tend to have a bias towards the short term, getting Mm -hmm. through whatever current crisis they have or whatever current problem they have might be tempted to engage in lying in order to meet their short-term roles. But you're right, in the long term, once trust has been dissipated, you open yourselves up to conspiracies, uh, you know, to, you lose the ability to persuade people with new information. It's a, a very serious long-term damage, and and trust is not easily rebuilt. And it really, I wonder how many times institutional leaders think to themselves, you know, is this really worth the... Uh, is this really worth the cost? Right. I mean, well, if, if, if lying the people to get our our way on this whatever issue may be right now—is it really worth the long-term damage of, of losing credibility uh, to our audience? So
0: okay. then you also then you also have to think about the fact that that then becomes generational in some cases, right? So you then have this sort of trauma-informed thinking where you have folks who, you know, maybe it di- didn't directly happen to you and me but right. boy, my parents were lied to or my mm-hmm. culture, you know, if we want to take a look at a native American population or the black population, like it's, these things happened, And now I'm dealing with it, not directly, but because I know that history and that was passed down right. to me. So,
1: right. It develops that conspiratorial mindset, right. As they talk about in the literature, that idea that have you seen a conspiracy and you know, you've been lied to before. Then you believe that more conspiracies pop up, more lies can pop up so you know again once that conspiratorial mindset is developed in people that becomes very hard to disengage from that because you're right you learn from previous experience when you've learned that previous lies were told to you that previous conspiracies turned out to be true then what's to stop you from thinking the next one is true so it's a major problem for institutions
0: and it's so interesting because i often then get asked well how do you stop that because once because if you're now in charge yeah (laughs) you I'm still here. Ben, you've been abducted, Ben. Ben's, yeah. Ben's camera just fell out. I'm sorry. All right. Well, he'll come back when he's done being. Probed. Uh, I hope when, so. you're, when you're done probed anally, right? With from the anal probe. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Ouch. Um, Ouch. That one not hurt. Yeah. We'll <laughs> we'll t- we'll talk about abductions in a second. But the other thing I'm often asked too is, okay, so now you've got a new leader who's come in, whether that's in the government or an organization, it doesn't matter, and that person is then saddled with this, that you know, all of the history how do you overcome that? And, you know, I often just say, you have to lead by example. You have to prove through your own actions and through every statement that you make that you're as above board as possible. Now, you're not going to get everybody, obviously, because you've still got people who, no matter what you say and do, are still going to be, you know, believing whatever it is they believe. But you have to make sure that you are as above board all the time and that you're speaking truthfully and that you're being transparent. I think those are things that are Really key, Uh, and I think what I find so interesting too is, as much as I just said that I think this is going to be a problem for other conspiracies, and I still think that coming forward and saying, okay, here's this information now, and we do have some compelling evidence, and we're going to declassify it and share it, is a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think it's coincidence that there's been an upshoot in conspiracy theories along with a decrease in institutional trust right i mean we've seen we've seen institutional trust decline everywhere from government to medicine to education people believe people have struggled with the idea that they are getting truth that that the people that are in charge are accountable and that they that they have their best motives at uh, at heart and so yeah a lot of what we're talking about with conspiracy theories has to do with the feeling that people feel disenfranchised but also feel like the people that are supposedly in charge of our institutions do not have our best interests at heart, and it really sets the fertile ground for the spread of conspiracy theories. Now, whether that's, whether it's aliens, whether that's COVID-19, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, who won the 2020 election, it's almost, you know, which conspiracy we're talking about in some ways ends up being uh, inconsequential. What is, you know, what, what is explaining it is the fact that there has been a lot of distrust, a lot of institutional failure, and a lot of people who feel Like they are being manipulated and uh, and discounted uh, by the larger social structure. That's from a sociological perspective. That's what's very interesting in me, even more so than the particular uh, conspiracy theory that we're. We happen to be discussing.
0: Well, you actually mentioned that when, when you were talking about the roots of the alien conspiracy theories, that you wanted to come back to one of them. I think it was the emotional belonging or the certainty. Did you want to come back to that, or did you just reference that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about how to really dissuade an alien conspiracy theories, right? You know, I guess one of the questions I had is, well, how do you talk about these sort of things? You know, somebody is really fully embedded in their, theory, in, their, in their belief and you want to talk about it because maybe you, you know, d- disagree with that person, we're finding a lot of times that just simply having conversation back and forth isn't really fruitful, right? And so there's actually ways to try to talk about alien conspiracy theories. And I think with alien conspiracy theories, a lot of times it's an emotion-based belief. And those are finding to be very hard to be changed through debate and reason. If you believe that aliens exist because we're not alone in the universe uh, and somebody tells you right that well we are alone in the universe that makes people feel bad and then they <clears throat> oftentimes don't want to hear to your logic or reason and they may actually have a bit of a boomerang effect uh, it's kind of a interesting uh, psychological social psychological effect which basically is like the opposite of cognitive dissonance it's mm. the idea that uh, then when you try to persuade a person away from their existing beliefs, you may actually be moving that person further away from the belief change due to a sense of resentment, anger, anti-conformity. So if, you know, somebody says, hey, I believe in aliens, and you come around and say, hey, you're stupid for believing that, chances are you actually did the opposite. You you pushed me toward closer to my uh, feelings about aliens existing uh, in, in no small part because you made me feel bad about myself. Right, so the way that we to talk about these things, well, you know the ridicule, uh, you know the personal insults, the mocking of people's beliefs actually tends to push people further away from attitude change and towards uh, more uh, certainty or strength of their, of their current existing belief. That's kind of, it's become what's known as a boomerang effect. And you're seeing this especially true in the age of the internet, right? Think about how people talk about these things online. I'm right, you're stupid. You know, like go get an education, right? They really ridicule one another. If you're talking about alien conspiracy theories, we really have to find a way. If you really want to change a person's uh, beliefs on this, you you cannot resort to ridicule and mocking. It'll have the absolute boomerang effect uh, on you.
0: I cannot stress that enough. And I say that probably, listeners are probably sick of me saying that every week. I think I say that on this podcast because I say, you have to find out and you have to be empathetic and figure out where people are coming from. Because if you tell them they're stupid, that does not work. It never will work. So you need to really, if you're going to try to convince somebody, you have to find out first of all, why they're believing as they believe, like, where did that come from? Or, you know, and again, are they, is it something that's a distrust? Are they being narcissistic? If we're talking about the roots that you mentioned, is it an emotional thing? Is it certainty? And then go at it from that perspective, you know, and be compassionate and empathetic and actually listen to them and pay attention and acknowledge that you've heard them. It's, you know, we're all human beings. We all want to feel as though our opinion matters and that we have some value and saying someone's stupid or you're really dumb, that doesn't help. And I see that online too. I mean, you mentioned that and it drives me insane because I think, you know, I don't know what, do you think that's helpful? Does it make you feel better to say you're a dumbass or you're stupid? I mean, I just don't I don't know. And sometimes I wonder if it's just that's the only tool you have in your toolbox, in your communication toolbox, well, is to just ridicule you instead I, of
1: I, I'm really happy you mentioned it because I was actually reading exactly the next thing I was on. Yeah, I, I think that, that one of the things that's key about media, well, uh, here I mean, so is, media, is that social, social networks a media theorist named David Altide. And David Altide is famous for introducing what he called media logic. And media logic theory basically states that people learn uh, how to engage in discourse by mimicking what they see in media communications. So, I mean, I can see, I would look on your face, you see where I'm going with this, right? If your idea of having a discussion is sort of like the CNN crossfire with six talking heads who shout over one another trying to score points, and that's how you're gonna conduct arguments, that resonates with how we interact with people and bars in the workplace online, right? We learn that our idea of having discourse is to basically shout over people and try to score points instead of getting down to the truth. And that creates a lot of anger, it creates a lot of resentment. So I think there's a lot to be said for David Altide's media theory, mediologic theory, which he really applied to particularly with mass media. Culturally we have to get away from this idea of having the discourse that's just like, I'm right, you're wrong and and make fun of and mock people and insult them. We have to really kind of be genuine and and really engage and try to learn, uh, try to assume that the other person may be right and give them the benefit of doubt and do it in a very respectful manner. And I feel like that is something that we have to learn culturally in terms of how we communicate with
0: I'm gonna use a non-alien example or maybe you would argue this is an alien example, I don't know, but I see this when I see commercials on tv for you know upcoming shows and I see like the real housewives of fill in the blank city it doesn't make any difference which one and I see these women attacking each other and I'm thinking to myself you know I would love to put together a reality show that shows women as they actually interact because that's not how we interact with one another but no one would buy my program because that's not what you want to see and I just look and I think if that's how you think we should behave And I'll even go back, I'll even go into politics right now. The way that we are attacking now is different than, I mean, we've always attacked. Politics has always been about attacking and saying the most outrageous thing. But I feel like we've gone to a level of outrage and and a level of attacking that is so completely outside any norm, but it's becoming the norm. And that scares me because I don't want people thinking, I don't want students, the young people that you and I are teaching mm-hmm. to think that that's how you should interact with me or you. I mean, I'll tell them right away, that's not what you do. But I mean, this, is this the norm?
1: Right. It's, uh, conflict and aggression is great for television. You know, and it's uh, it's interesting because I remember the, the original uh, reality show, The Real World uh, was released at, there was an enormous amount of editing that went into that that basically constructed the conflicts because they said, frankly, it was boring. It's like 160 hours of people getting along together and having a good time. So they basically had to cut and paste like an episode to, fill, to, to, to artificially construct arguments and conflicts that just simply didn't exist. Because like you said, it was like boring. Like watching normal people getting along just didn't make for good television. So for ratings, they basically manufactured lies for their audience and it was not the way that people really acted one another. it was a it was a media construction and and yeah people probably learn that and think like well you know next time somebody leaves a dirty socks in the floor you should threaten to fight them or something you know it's not really not not really productive and normal way for people to act but i guess if you watch a lot of the reality shows it probably maybe that is i don't know
0: Although you might ask my husband when he does stuff like that, then he might get a reaction like that. That's 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 only half true. Sometimes that's true. I want to go back. Let's go back to aliens. You because when you and I talked before we we started recording this, so a couple weeks ago when we were chatting about this, you mentioned an aspect of aliens that I think you have to share because it is I I love it, and you know you were talking about David Ducovny talking to Bill Maher. Oh. Yes. You have to share this because I love the idea that this could be true. I actually think this could be true. I think this could be true. So share, share David Duchovny's theory. We'll call it the, the Duchovnyan theory.
1: Yeah, I was watching Will with Bill Maher about two months ago. Hey, shout out to Bill Maher if he's listening, you know, which let's hope so. I'm going to, I'll put him on the, I'll put the little,
0: you know, at Dave, Bill Maher, that's for sure.
1: And David Duchovny. Please do. I'd love to sit at that table with them, you know. So, um, yeah. So he was on a Bill Maher show, and he was asked about whether he thinks aliens exist. And David Cobden told his story about in the Middle Ages, uh, when you had people who couldn't get along with the community, people who were deviants, people who were mentally ill, that were sent out on the ship of fools, cast out into sea, uh, so that they wouldn't contaminate uh, their their you know their current environment. And so David Cobb suggested, what if the aliens that come to Earth are those who've been sent off on the ship of fools? They're all of the deviants and all of the all of the creeps who basically couldn't be kept around. And so you know, like David Dekovney said, like, well, maybe that explains some of the anal probings. Like right? why is there why is there so many anal probings from aliens? Maybe, maybe they're just deviants. Maybe they're the castaways. So I did I did kind of enjoy that theory. i never heard of anything suggested before but yeah it's it's quite funny to
0: think about i love something else that i love too and this is not necessarily along the line of Jacobian theory which i'm dubbing it that i don't know if he's gonna (laughs) like that or not but my husband and i as i mentioned we love to watch some of these programs and one of the programs we were watching was like ancient marvels or something like this and they were talking about like the pyramids in south america as well as in egypt and you know like stonehenge and some of these ancient structures that have been constructed And of course, Ben, because we can't explain it with our own current technologies or whatever, we can't possibly think that these ancient cultures figured out, you know, engineering. We have to say that aliens came to Earth to help them build pyramids or to help them build Stonehenge. And I just, I, again, I think that's just a really arrogant way to look at it. But now I guess they found, you know, a lot of research has found, particularly with Stonehenge, I think I was reading fairly recently that, They figured out how they were able to transport some of these large stones and what with their existing technology. So I just love that, you know, anything that's not explainable, aliens must have done it. Yet, where are they now? Like, what did they just show up for the pyramids? And then they're like, well, you guys are good like we're done we you don't need us anymore because now you've got i don't know what i mean i just think it's so you're like,
1: those kind of, you're like those kind of party crashers who just show up and leave for a couple hours and then drop back in you know i know <laughs> <laughs> they were gone for a couple hundred years and came back in and then took off for another couple i know it seems a really strange to think like oh if we can't explain it, it must have been aliens it's kind of a strange perspective i know that's kind of bothered me over the years too I've mentioned about how a lot of times these are emotion-based beliefs and mm-hmm. simply chastising a person or mocking them is highly unproductive. And many times even talking about facts and, in, and trying to, uh, even even a calm uh, debate that involves facts will sometimes turn people off because it makes them feel dumb. Mm-hmm. And so what can we do? And the, the thing that I've seen the most that I think is probably the most effective in this topic is to say what's said to be partnering with the person in seeking truth, uh, ask the person to explain in detail their beliefs and then ask them questions about the way uh, uh, in, along the way about the, what seems uh, untrue to you and this is all based on a concept of self perception theory uh, daryl Bem 's idea that sometimes people will people persuade themselves after they observe their own behaviors or see their or, or think about their own thoughts so a lot of times People will sometimes dissuade their own belief system simply because as they're explaining it to an audience, they start to find inconsistencies, they start to find that things that they believed were untrue, they start to find that there were omissions uh, in their beliefs. And so by simply by explaining what they believe and why, people can often self-persuade themselves when they hear their own stories and realize that the things that they believed were pretty hard to defend in terms of having... Errors, omissions, or inconsistencies. So, uh, probably your best chance of persuading somebody out of a a con- alien conspiracy theory is simply to have them talk it out. You know, say, "Here I am, sell me on it," and tell, explain this to me. Um, you know, I would suggest a couple of things. A couple of things that always kind of bothered me uh, with these explanations. Uh, one of the things you could ask is, ask why government would cover it up and mention previous failures that government has had to keep secrets, right? The government is really bad at leaking information. They seem like they can't keep a secret to seem their life. Now, Donald Trump has these uh, documents uh, at, at Mar-a-Lago, because apparently that's how good we are at keeping national security secrets. He just put them in the U-Haul and took them to Florida with him. But apparently we can keep this a secret, you know, through thousands of different hands over 75 years. It seems like a stunning accomplishment for a government that doesn't seem like it can keep any information confidential. And second, is that there's often inconsistency in believing that the government fails in virtually all the things that they do, yet they're impeccably efficient. They're impeccably efficient at keeping secrets that that do harm to the public. So, you know, the same people who think that the government can't build a new sidewalk or improve their local school suddenly think that they do this amazing top secret job of running Area 51 and, you know, and hiding spacecraft and rebuilding spacecraft. The same people who believe that their government, you know, can't deliver on healthcare or can't, you know, uh, can't can't run a decent school or build a road. You know, they'll complain, you know, it takes 20 years to fix the pothole in the road. But when it comes to alien conspiracies, they're just incredible super geniuses. There's sort of interesting government inconsistency there.
0: It's so funny you say that because I've actually said that to some folks. I do want to go back to audience in a second, but I've said that to people particularly related to voting. And that's another conspiracy we can get into maybe next month because it's getting close to the election. But sure. uh, and actually, that's all I'm going to say, because we will. Maybe that's one of the uh, conspiracies we do talk about next month. It's just the the level of coordination that would be required to pull off what you're talking about in Area 51 or voting or any number, of, or COVID, I'm going to pick any government cover-up, alleged government cover-up, is so sophisticated. Yep, you're right. They can't get these other things that should be relatively straightforward, correct? I do want to go back to audience because when you mentioned that people don't necessarily want to be inundated with facts and figures and things because They might not feel as educated. They might feel like they're being talked down to. I I do always say to people, too, you really need to be mindful of who it is you're talking to. And you have to know what it is that motivates them or what it is that you know they're interested in. So, for example, if I was spouting a conspiracy theory to you, I want data and facts. That's what would persuade me. But I agree that that's not going to persuade other people. So it really does matter knowing and I do agree with you too it's like you need to let them tell the story let them walk out walk it out and talk it out and I think that gives you something to work with never and I'm going to stress it again never it is never okay for you to say you are stupid you don't know anything I mean those are not phrases that are going to get you anywhere and you know what they're not true People aren't generally, st- they're not, you know. I mean, give people, you know, some credit for having some kind of intelligence, so.
1: And like I say, like I was saying in the last broadcast, it'd be hard for us to find a person who doesn't believe in some type of conspiracy. What well, conspiracy beliefs are pretty widespread. And mm-hmm. so, you know, smart people believe them, less smart people believe them, young people, old people, conservative liberals, you know, it's, they're pretty widespread. So the idea like, hey, you believe a conspiracy, you must be dumb is really, is itself kind of counterfactual, you know. So I think, I just think it's uh, worthy of people to give respect uh, to some of these conspiracy theories. And, you know, even though I admit many of them are, are you know, headed, you know, the way that we talk about them is almost as important as the facts, right? I mean, we saw this with COVID-19. You can't just, if you're going to talk about people and try to beat them over the head and say, do it this way or otherwise you're stupid, they're going to resent you. And they're mm-hmm. going to do boomerang and do the exact opposite of what you intended to do. So uh, the way that we talk about information is almost as important as the information itself, And from my perspective.
0: I hope you enjoyed our conversation about aliens. Before we ended, though, I asked Ben if he had anything else he wanted to add. He wanted to share a message to any aliens who might be listening. And I added my two cents also.
1: Just say if there are aliens out there. Be nice to me. I'm a good person. If you have money, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not above, I'm not above a nice loan. You know, whatever power you could give to me. Uh, so, you know, uh, that would probably be where I would end. I, I've I pretty much exhausted all of the, the social science literature that I have on this topic. So I thought I'd, I'd end with something humorous.
0: Well, I would like you to build a Stonehenge in my backyard. That's what I would like. So if that's wow, if there are aliens out there, or maybe, or a crop circle, maybe a crop circle. That's like it, I don't know a chicken or so. I don't have any idea. That'd be fine.
1: Can it be one of those really tiny Stonehenge's, like in the movie *Spinal Tap*? You know, it was supposed to be twenty feet and it was twenty inches. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they were mad because they were trying to dance around a stonehenge that was like up to their kneecaps no i want a big one that i can't make <laughs> myself like
0: i want a stonehenge yeah that's what i want that would be fun <laughs> let me tell you money. what i'm gonna tell you if i wake up tomorrow and like like there's stonehenge in my backyard i'm moving like i'm that would freak me out that would be the end of it i'm gonna go turn, live turn. It in it
1: tell you what that would be an impressive reach for this podcast that would have to say you know,
0: you know what that would get me i joke that i have three million plus or minus like two million nine hundred ninety-nine listeners and i'll tell you i bet that would get me if i if i posted that i stonehenge appeared in my backyard i would get three million listeners that would
1: be awesome and then, we, and then you and i can retire that's what and we then, can do and, and then we could become the conspiracy theory it's amazing we can talk about it and then you become it And then it becomes
0: a tourist attraction. Like everybody comes to my house to see the, you know, Franklinville Stonehenge. That'd be fun. I like like
1: that. That sounds great.
0: That concludes PB&J, Pauline Ben and Just the Facts for this month. Please look for us next month as we tackle voting conspiracy theories. You won't want to miss that. Now, my arse, my arbitrary random stat this month or this week, rather, deals with aliens. I wanted to stay on theme. I Googled random facts about aliens. That's how easy this is. The following is from mentalfloss.com. The term UFO was first coined by the U.S. Air Force in the 1950s. They had no idea what they were seeing. Today, of course, as Ben and I have discussed, we know that it's all weather balloons. The band The Foo Fighters, I'm a huge fan of them, took its name from an old term referring to UFOs. It was from a comic book at the time of World War II. And the term flying saucer is actually an error. An Air Force pilot said he saw what looked like something flying the way you might toss a saucer across the sky. Flying saucer took. UFOs have been reported across cultures and time over centuries. So perhaps aliens did build a pyramid, Stonehenge and Machu Picchu. Reports from 1560s Europe, that's a long time ago, note that there was an aerial battle. Could UFOs have been fighting above them? And the first documented reports in the U.S., the 1600s in Boston. I also Googled the best time to find UFOs, and the answer is apparently July. So I guess summer is vacation time in other galaxies and on other planets, too. To see a GIS map of U.S. sightings in the U.S., take a look at the podcast notes. I added that there for everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening. Special thank you to Dr. Ben Gross for going down the rabbit hole of conspiracies with me. Show music by Bryce Murphy, logo designed by Liam McGurl. If you like this podcast, tell all of your friends and make sure you leave a five-star rating and review. Podcasts drop on Mondays. Please also subscribe to my newsletter, WTF, What the Facts, on LinkedIn or Substack. Also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Stay curious. I'm also fascinated when I see like multiple people capturing the same anomaly in like the same area, you know what I mean? So it's like the whole neighborhood has
1: seen it, like 85 people have captured it on camera. I'm like, okay, there's something to that. You know I was going to add one more thing I just mm-hmm. because it's very important and I don't want to forget it